Welcome to the Period Story Podcast, the podcast where we get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods. We chat with women about their period story, their first period, their journey ever since, and we open up a conversation to help break taboos and stigmas around menstruation. I'm your host, Denise Brothers. I'm a yoga teacher and registered nutritionist specializing in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. I'm also the author of You Can Have a Better Period, the book Publishers Weekly calls an empowering debut, an informative, refreshing take on women's health. It's available from Amazon, Bookshop, and anywhere else you purchase books. Welcome to today's guest. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Rachel Burgess. Rachel is such an inspiring person. She opened her own bridal boutique about 10 years ago, and she shares her period story, including the discovery of cysts on not just one ovary, but both ovaries. She talks about her surgery and how she was able to physically and emotionally deal with the impact of these surgeries and what it meant for her view of herself as a woman. Please enjoy this episode. I start each podcast with one question, which is tell me the story of your very first period. I can remember it. Oh my goodness. So clearly in my mind, I remember uh, going to the bathroom first thing and I was about 14 years old and um, I was wearing bright pink knickers and I was like, whoa, what is, what, what is going on here, team? And um, I remember having a little bit of a moment and thinking, what is this it? Is this what people have been talking about, a period? I think this is happening. So I remember running out of the bathroom, running along the hallway, and um, kind of like calling my mother out of her room, being like, I think something's happening. And she was like, oh, you know those things I left on your bed a couple of months ago? You'll need those now. And I was like, okay. And that is it. And literally... That was my introduction to the world of having a period um, of, okay, I'll go and find those weird pad things that you left on my bed and didn't say much about other than you'll need them at some point. And um, so I, I remember thinking, okay, so how do these work? You know, like reading the back of it, reading the back of the label and kind of going, what are these little like wing flap things that kind of go around? How does that all work? So I remember though thinking, and I've been really paranoid when I, when I, when I kind of put everything back on of like, can people see this through my school uniform? I was really conscious of it, of going, can people see that I'm wearing a sanitary towel? And uh, myself and my girlfriends, we didn't really, we didn't talk about it um, really. But I kind of, I remember feeling slightly self-conscious to begin with. And then as the kind of week or couple of days went on, I kind of felt a bit like I'm a woman now. Like, I am no longer a girl. I am a woman. And I kind of remember that kind of feeling then. I don't know. It felt like a, a really, it felt like a, 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 an awakening in that, in that sense that I've definitely come into a new chapter of my life. Say more about this feeling of being a woman or becoming a woman and awakening. What, what made you feel like that? So I guess I've always been, I'm the youngest of all of my siblings. I was the youngest in like kind of our school year. So I've always felt a little bit like the little one, you know, and um, I kind of just had this feeling of, oh, I belong here now. Like I'm, I can do my GCSEs now because I'm a woman, you know, it was <laughs> those kind of moments. Um, 
And even though my period is from that day was never um, regular, it, w- it I was very lucky that it was never painful, um, but it was heavy. And she made herself known when she did make an appearance. I was like, okay, we're in this. And we were in this about 10 days. You know, it was never a short thing. Um, And where I grew up, um, so my parents are farmers in mid Wales. um, And so there was a a little uh, store, like a little um, corner shop. I will say, but it wasn't on a corner. It was um, in the middle of just in little houses um, that I had to run across two fields to get to. And I remember thinking one day, oh my goodness, my period started because it was never, like I said, it was never regular. It never had the same time every month if it did happen every month. Um, And I remember thinking, okay, at the back of my wardrobe, I've got these things. So I'll put them in my pants and I'll be fine. And then I remember it started. and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't have any of these left. So the next thing I know, my mother is like, I, I said to her, I don't have anything and I've got to go to school. She's like, I'll be back. And she runs across these two fields to the um, local shop and they had them right high up, like uh, above on the top shelves of anything. And so much so that the guy had to get his ladder out to go and get the pack of sanitary towels down. And then she she kind of uh, ran back. And even though she was so brilliant with that type of thing, she never really spoke about it. She's like, there you are. Like, that's that's what you need. Um, but these sanitary towels, like the ones on the corner shop, I remember they were awful. Like they were so thick and they was they were so uncomfortable. And just, I was so paranoid all day that they were just going to slip out or anything like that. And so I always then made a point of kind of going, right, whenever I'm in town, on my own, I will go and get the good always sanitary towels. And that is what I will then use. Um, but yeah, so I did get a little bit caught out with that type of thing every now and again. To talk a little bit about how you learned more about your period and what was happening with your body, because you say you lived, you grew up in rural Wales. Yeah. And your mom gave you a pack of pads, but yeah didn't really talk to you about what was going on so how did you educate yourself about what was going on with your body so I oh do you know what I think I just learned as I went along and because like I said we didn't talk about it even though our girlfriends were really close we didn't chat about what oh I'm I've got my period this month you might hear it in the in the in the PE changing rooms, somebody might go, oh, I'm in so much pain. I can't do this, this, this week. And I'm like, oh, why? And then I was thinking, should mine be painful? Or, um, and then you hear people going, I really need some chocolate like now because of my period. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is that something then that I will just have? Like when, like when I'm on my period, do I do that? I will have chocolate, you know, it's just, and I don't know why we didn't talk about it. Um, I, th- I think it's a generational thing from my from my parents. They didn't really chat about it. So therefore, like they're like, oh well, we don't know. Whereas now I'm a woman in my mid-30s. I'm like, I love talking about this stuff because it's so empowering, because knowledge is power, right? And I really yeah. could have done with more of that, I think, at that age. Um, so I I wasn't academic in school. I was definitely there for the social side of things. So I was in the bottom set for science. Um, so the moment you mention periods. Oh my God, like it was hysteria in the classroom. Nobody, you like, and, and the teachers, they were trying to keep us focused. They were trying, but oh my God, the, the, the if you mentioned ovaries, 
uterus room anything i mean the the guys were just in floods of hysteria on the floor because they didn't know how to cope with the situation so then i'm like trying to be cool i'm trying to be cool but then secretly going i really want to learn about all this like what what does this mean but then we'll really talk about the biology side of it rather than the emotional side of it and that is definitely something in the last couple of years i've kind of really delved into and and noticing how my body is feeling but that's because I've made a huge amount of changes within my life personally to really focus on that and become in tune with um what my what my body's telling me so say a little bit more about what you did to to educate yourself about what was happening and also about the changes that you've made to be more in tune with yourself and what your body's telling you. Sure. So um, basically at the age of, I think it was 16, I went on the combined pill and I kind of, again, that was a moment of like, oh, I, this is another level of, of me owning my body and taking that kind of empowerment side of, of things. And I, um, the pill gave me that opportunity to have a regular period or a bleed in that sense. And I loved being able to have the control of, of I did loads, lots of horse riding and, and gymnastics and stuff like that. And kind of being like, I don't want to be on my period now. So I was petrified of like in PE from what I did GCSE PE. And there were, I think about six of us, um, females and there's about 40 males and we had to wear leotards and um the guys didn't and so I was absolutely then thinking oh my god is this the day that I'm going to come on my period is this the day I'm going to come on period so actually then I, I really appreciated actually having the pill because it meant I could take some control going okay even though I know I want a period I don't want it now mm. um and I stayed on that for a very very long time until um my early 30s um so I that was my education in, in a way of kind of thinking okay I'll take control I have this pack I follow it Monday Tuesday Wednesday and then I have a week off so that I can have a bleed and then I'll start again um but I went for a routine um uh, scan I had a hip operation um and so they're just doing a little routine scan on that and it brought up that there were actually some dermoid cysts making a little home on my right ovary and I was like right then what does that mean and it meant um, having my ovary surgically removed so I think I was about 25 um, maybe at that time when that got removed and that was quite a big kind of conversation they they said they would like to have a chat to myself and my partner at the same time that if we were thinking about having a family then these are things that we need to consider and all of a sudden like you're sitting down like having a glass of wine thinking well we need to talk about are we going to do that? I don't, I don't, I don't want that. But then when somebody's saying that decision might be taken away, well, hang on a minute, I want to be in control of that. Mm. Um, but luckily we're both very much on the same page with that, that that isn't in our little life plan that we've, that we've got mapped out. Um, I say mapped out, we'll see, you know, have to go with the flow with all of that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I had the operation, I had the ovary removed. And then after that, I was like, mm, why am I putting this pill in my body? Like, I need to give my left ovary a chance here to kind of start uh, seeing if she can create this period for me naturally. Um, so I then came off the pill um, and I looked at how I was living my life and it was very, very unhealthy. Um, I... At convenience food I was a theatre stage manager for a very long time so I was away on tour a lot which meant um 
you would have your evening meal after you do your your evening show. So you'd go out for a curry about 11 o'clock at night and then you'd have quite a few drinks and then you'd stay in bed until midday the next day. Then you'll get to the theatre and you'll do a matinee show. So it was very much like, and then you'd eat a bag of Harry Bow throughout the show to keep you going because you need the energy levels. And then there's always snacks there. A lot of drink was involved. Um, and I thought some things here need to change. So at the age of 30... Yeah, 30. I became completely plant-based um, and I adopted a plant-based diet. Um, I haven't drank now for two years. Um, and that has completely, from that, from taking all of those almost allergens away from my body, I've become more in tune than ever. And, and my body speaks to me now what it needs and I listen to it because it's not constantly in a fight or flight kind of situation, I find. Um so yeah, and I, and I started moving. I never moved before. I've got myself a pair of trainers and I just, every day, just, just get out because I have a body that can move. Mm. So I, and I just want to, I want to see what it can do. I want to keep listening to it, but I want to fuel it with that, with fuel it with, with like, I want to give it that opportunity to thrive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you've been on quite a journey and quite mm. a transformative one. Yeah. What did you use to educate yourself about what was going on? So, you know, having an ovary removed is mm. quite a it's quite a big deal. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, you did get some aftercare from from the NHS or whoever you had yeah. done. Um, yeah. but then what happened after that? Where what where did you find out more about what was going on and how did you educate yourself? So podcasts have been really, really useful. Mm. Um, I've also did quite a bit of, of reading up um, because a lot of people um, were kind of, I actually kept it very private, to be honest. I didn't talk to a lot of people about it because I thought basically I, I named them both so I named them Olwen and Olive uh, because it was much easier to talk to my father about the fact I have ovaries and if I was like I have an Olwen and I have an Olive and Olive is completely going um, and we're going to keep Olwen and he's like right cool that's all I need to know tidy great thank you um, so I didn't really speak to many people about it um, I, I told my girlfriends after the operation, um, just so you know, I've been in, I've had this removed. Um, and that was my own way of controlling things. And that was my own way of, I didn't want people to worry because as soon as you start to say to people, I have some cysts in my ovary, you can see their reaction was more than I, I was becoming trying to protect them. I'm mm. like, it's okay. This is all right. Like this is in control. We're going to be all right with this. Um, and I just didn't, want any of that I kind of just wanted to park that go in and have the surgery be in recovery and and heal as fast as I can and then explain so I've just been through this situation what I the afterward afterwards though it was it was pretty tough like I remember so I had but they were hoping to go in through my belly button mm-hmm. but unfortunately the cyst was so big it was 11 centimeters so they actually ended up going in I have a c-section scar at the top of my bikini line um and so they went in that way and I ended up with like 21 staples across my bikini line afterwards and that was quite that was that was painful you know like even just trying to sit up and sneeze or anything like that and anybody that has given but I applaud you that I've had a c-section because I do not know how you hold a baby when you have that because I couldn't even lift up a cup of tea like you're phenomenal and um yeah so I the aftercare after that, that was great, but I had to go to the doctors to have my 
these staples removed. And unfortunately, I think whoever um, was removing them hadn't looked at my notes correctly because part of the procedure meant in basically inflating my stomach out so they could do what they needed to do. Um, and so I was incredibly bloated and I was wearing very loose fitting clothes. And she saw that I had this C-section scar and said, congratulations, what did you have? And I was like, oh, no, baby, you want to read your notes? Because I didn't. I've actually had an ovary removed. And to me, that that's okay because I'm not planning a family of my own. Um, but to somebody who is, 50% of that chance has been taken away from them. That's an incredibly emotional process for them to have to deal with. Mm. So I was like, oh, no, you want to read your notes on that because um, that isn't actually what's happened. But um, healing-wise, it took me quite a bit of time physically after that. But I also, like I said, my diet wasn't in the best place then. And I definitely think I was fueling it with the wrong things. So much so that two years ago, um, when I went back for another little routine scan, just making sure all went okay, um, they noticed that dermoids were starting to grow on her now, basically. And I was like, oh, no, here we go again. So um, I went in and, you know, what? it was on um, one of the boutique's birthdays, actually. So I was like, OK, what a way to celebrate the boutique, turning eight years old, me going back in, in surgery. But um, I went in and um, they they were hoping to save half of it. We managed to save 30%. So I now have 30% of all when left. But I have to say my recovery from that, I was out on the same day and I was back running 10 days later. And I had the same procedure. They went along the same scar line um, again. But I have to say, like, I can't emphasize enough. The person who I was when I had that first operation and the way I ate and the way I treated my body to the person who I am now, I can only put that down to the lifestyle that I lead now being so quick in comparison to before where I was in the hospital for 10 days. I was out on the same day this time. Um, but that was also my, my partner was brilliant. The hospital food wasn't, wasn't, um, they, they had a little bit of a freak out moment when I said I'm plant-based and they didn't have anything that they could kind of get me but that was okay my other half came in and he just brought in all this fruit and all this veg and um we just I just sat there and I just hoofed it all down I can literally feel my body just going thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you this is nutrients that can help heal me here but not just heal the internal operation side that's been going on but also heal me with hormones and you know just help help that really Mm. So you've been on quite a journey with regards to your reproductive health. And yeah, did you have, you talked about healing, physical healing and emotional mm. healing. Was there ever a moment where you felt like you needed to mourn what, what could have yeah. been or what, you know, even though you have said that having children wasn't in your plan, mm-hmm. um, did you ever feel like you just needed to have a a moment of mourning most definitely yes um especially after the first operation um for a good few months I would say actually that I was I felt I felt quite angry that why is this decision been taken away from me even though I knew I didn't want that I wanted to have control of that decision um and of course then everywhere you look it just felt like everybody had children or everybody was having children around me and it was at a time where um you know I remember saying I don't think I'm 
going to go down that route of having my own children, people would say, oh, you'll change your mind. You'll change your mind. You know, it was definitely in that category. And I was like, well, even if I did change my mind, I'm actually not sure what the chances are here. Anyway, team, mm. um, you know, um, so, but I definitely went through that, that morning phase and I'm almost a, a bit like um, my womanhood, like this, these organs make me a woman. I love, you know, identifying and being a woman and I love my body and what it can do. But having, yeah, that taken away from me definitely felt like, does it make me less of a woman? Mm. Am I less of a woman in that sense? Um, so I had to work through that. And even now there are times like with when people talk about their cycles, oh, I get so envious because I don't necessarily, I can't identify with that because I don't have that. And since my last operation, so that was about, gosh, we're in 2022 now, aren't we? Yes. So that was about four years ago then. Um, oh, no, 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 two years ago. Sorry. And um, uh, there's been, I've then not, I didn't go back on the pill after my operation so that I could let see what or when the last 30% of her can do. Like, can we have a period naturally here? And no, not at all. So, um, Apart from, well, I get so excited about this because I've just had my first ever period in four years, and literally this week. So Yay. I'm celebrating that. Yay. So that's really exciting. Yay. Yay! Although I was like, oh my God, what do I do again? I need to remember. Um, but uh, sorry, I've completely digressed. So if I go back and just explain um, the lead up to the last operation, I came off the pills so that there were no of um, those synthetic hormones in me as such. Um, and then I never had one afterwards. So we've been working um, that way um, to kind of work out why I wasn't then having a period. Um, and I found it really, so I found like I maybe couldn't get involved in some conversations that were happening um, online or uh, within friendship circles about, oh, I'm at this stage in my period because I couldn't identify with that because I don't know, because I wasn't having one. Um, and I was like, oh, but I want to know what my spring, summer, winter stages are. I want to be able to, to understand that. But I could feel emotionally when I was getting tired, when I was getting a bit exhausted. Um, and I thought, well, maybe that's something to do with my cycle, but I'm just not having the bleed you know, mm. Mm. until this week. That's so interesting that you you really wanted to participate in those conversations. And yeah. the, also what you mentioned earlier about you felt as though you may have been less of a woman. And this I just find it so fascinating, this strong identification that many of us feel and um, experience when we have our period, this sense of womanhood. And then when it gets taken away yeah. and, you know, we most typically that will happen when we are going through menopause, um, that how that can shake the foundations of how we identify ourselves Um, because you hear people say well just because you have a you're having a period doesn't make you a woman you know people will say that but that's not how many of us feel you know Mm -hmm. and you've articulated your feelings around that so brilliantly so talk a little bit now about how if if this has changed the way you feel about yourself with regards to your womanhood um, or how you reconciled um, these changes in terms of how you um, how you feel 
um, identity wise? Sure. So I I come to terms with um, oh I love my body now more than I ever have done. So I've come to terms with yes I don't have these organs as such these reproductive systems, but what I do have oh my god she's amazing you know what she allows me to do and I love I love the way that you know I can just turn it and do a Pilates class and I might not be able to do what a lot of the people are doing in that from my own physical like I need to stretch out more my hamstrings are really really tight but it, I, I have the privilege to turn up on a yoga mat a Pilates mat and move my body and so in, I've started loving her from that so I I've changed my outlook around from what she can't give me in that sense to what she bloody well can give me and that's just that is so it feels so peaceful and so empowering a lot along the same lines like even just this morning going for a run it's never it's never easy going for a run but afterwards I'm like oh my god my body just did that you know this is incredible and I'm surrounded by phenomenal women in the boutique, you know, and I just think it's so every, every person is different. Mm. Every person holds themselves differently. But we, if we start celebrating who we are as women, then, and, and stop, stop thinking about the things that we would change or, oh, I feel sad about that. Or I, I wish I could do that or something. No way. Look at what we can do. That's what we've got to change. That, that's the way that helped my mindset. Instead of what we can't do or what my body can't do, let me show you what I bloody well can do, though. You know? I love that so, so much. It's rather, so rather than focus on what you don't have, focus yeah. on what you have, focus Damn on right. what you can do. I, I love that. That is so empowering. Um, I just want to transition a little bit and talk a little bit more about your business and sure. uh, the your transition from theater manager to now bridal boutique owner. Yeah. Talk about that. So I always knew I wanted to have my own boutique, but I thought it might be something that I would do in my kind of 40s, um, not when I was 24 when this happened. And I was like, okay. Um, but you just got to go with it. Otherwise you'll never know. So the, myself and my partner, we moved here to Penarth, which is a lovely seaside town in South Wales, about 10 minutes outside of Cardiff. And um, we went round to our next door neighbours one evening and I'd had, this is when I was drinking quite a bit and I had a couple of glasses of wine a bit too much. And I said, do you know what? There's a shop in Penarth that I walk past every day. And if it ever comes up for rent, I'm going for it. I'm going to open my own bridal boutique that champions handmade in Wales. And um, I'm going to do it. Anyway, I got back home and my other half was like, wow, Rach, you've never said that to anyone before. Um, and I was like, oh God, did I say too much? Like, oh, well, nothing will ever come of it. It's, it was a gift wrapping service beforehand. And I thought people of Panath love to have their gifts wrapped beautifully. So I was like, well, that ain't going to go anywhere. I then went back out on tour with Hairspray and my next door neighbour sent me a text and said, this is about two weeks later, sent me a text and just said, oh, Rach, um, I, hope, I hope tour's going well. Just to let you know, I've walked past that shop in Panath and it, there's a sign on the door that says it's up for rent. So I've knocked on the door and here's the landlady's number. Um, and uh, she would say she'd like to meet you when you're back in a couple of weeks time. Right. Okay. Uh, this is not what I was expecting because I had other contracts lined up beforehand um, to take on afterwards after her spray finished. 
And I was like, right, okay, well, we're just going to go with the flow here, team, and just see what happens. And I remember it, it was the 12th of May, 2012. It was London Olympics year. Awesome. And I was walking up and I was on the phone to my father and I, I was like, what do I do? And he's like, Rach, just trust your instinct. See how you feel. There's no qualm. Like, just go, just, just meet your land, the, the landlady then, see what happens. I walked in, it was at two o'clock um, and yeah, I left at Harpers 2 with the keys. And then I launched in October of that year. And I didn't have any designers. I'd never had any um, uh, retail experience, business degrees, nothing like that. But I just knew that if I hadn't given, if I don't give this a go, then I'll never know. Um, and I think that's probably a little bit how I feel about my body. I'm like, well, can I go and run an ultra? I don't know. Let's give it a go. Or can I um, become plant-based when I grew up on a farm I don't know let's give it a go <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing um and so I that evening I went back to the show and I just said to a friend of mine Jojo who's on the wardrobe um department and I was like Jojo I've just got these keys for a place to open up a, a hand um a bridal boutique that champions handmade and I really want to champion handmade in Wales um because I don't because I've been a bridesmaid 10 times and I'd been into uh, my fair share of bridal stalls. And I kind of just found that when my girlfriends didn't know what they wanted, they got pigeonholed into categories of kind of saying, this is what a bride should be. Yet on a day-to-day basis, we dress with, to represent who we are. Well, this mm. is who I am. Or I, you know, I have tattoos or I have ear piercings or I dye my hair a certain color because this is me. Whereas then when it came to the world of bridal, it was almost like, well, you've got to conform. You're a bride, therefore you must wear this. And um, and you must pay thousands and thousands of pounds for an item of clothing that has been mass produced abroad. You have no idea where that's come from and where. And I'm a big believer in voting with your money. And that's the one thing that we kind of have power on. Um, and yeah, so she said, oh, you need to meet my friend um, who's a designer. And I, I emailed that friend. I looked at her website. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But um, I sent her an email and I had like a bounce back saying I'm away traveling. And I was like, oh, I bet she's just gone traveling. Like I'm going to, you know, she's not going to be back for a year. Anyway, e- uh, Helen emailed back and she's like, I've just got back from my travel. Should we have a meeting? And then the rest is history. So when I first launched, I had two designers. So I had Helen and I had Claire Hill, um, who was an accessory designer. Now we have 10. We have 10 designers now. Um, and the boutique is going to be 10 years old itself in October of this year. And um, oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. I absolutely love it. I love who I get to meet every day. And it's just such, it's just incredible to see how many people want to just do bridal their own way, champion handmade, vote with their money, but also find an outfit that absolutely empowers them. Like, damn right, this is me. I cannot wait for the world to see me. I cannot wait to exchange my vows wearing this number. Oh, it's a joy. Wow. You have such an amazing story and you you tell it the way you tell it it just you make it seem like you know it it just feels like everything was in the right place for you I I I hear you I know it's bonkers right like I I you've got to create the life you want to live that's all I can say and I think there are a lot of people who are unhappy with things well then take control and change it I know Mm. that's really easy for me to say that but I've been I've been through those hard times. I've been through those challenges. I've been through those surgeries. I've I I I, I appreciate it. It's easier to say than do. But my God, there's no point looking back, thinking what if, what mm. if I could do that, what if I did do that, what if I 
this job is making me so unhappy. Oh, then leave it. Something better is out there. Make it happen. What would you just say to someone who's listening to this and it was like, yeah, I hear you, you know, something better is out there. You've got to create the life that you want to live. Um, But they're really scared. You know, they're really, really scared of taking that next step. What would you say to them? Um, I think good things happen in when you're scared. Um, I think being safe is dangerous Mm. in that sense. And I think I can only speak for my own um, experience, but if you never know, you will always think, what if? Mm. And I think that is a danger zone. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Like just the bravery in your story and the bravery of what you've done, what you've done on so many different levels is quite it's quite inspiring. So I know that listeners will, they'll hear your story and they will feel, feel really inspired and they might make changes in their own life, however big or small they might be. If listeners want to get in touch with you, find out more about your business, maybe find out if they're a bride or an upcoming bride, find out how they can uh, use your services how can they get in touch with you so um firstly thank you so much for your lovely words that's really really thoughtful I I do not see myself like that at all just you know I just see myself as a very um I have a a little simple after every day on Instagram I post like a little what I do each day and it always starts with movement and then the breakfast like they're the best meals of the day right like amazing and I will never miss a breakfast and that is a morning ritual and a routine for me um and then I'll be I'll you know come to the boutique and then I, I'm you know I'm in bed by nine o'clock in the evening now team like you know I'm I'm definitely not rock and roll or anything like that I just enjoy the that pace of life really shall I say um but sorry uh if people wanted to get in touch oh yay always email that's lovely so um all the information's on the website which is rachelburgessbridalboutique.com um I'm on Instagram rachelburgessbridalboutique so you can find me on there as well great thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story I know that the episodes where where you have someone sharing a really personal story of the changes in their menstrual health or are are always the one that do really well. And I get really great feedback on them. So yeah, thank you so Mm. much. Thanks for creating a space that I've never really spoken about this. Um, But when I came across your podcast, it felt like a space where I can, I can talk about this. And I just want people to know that, do you know what women of the age of you know, between the, uh, from my first operations to, to now, um, we do go through this, uh, but mm. we get, we, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't make us any less of a woman now, team. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod 
or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.